You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. Continuing with our World Cup Digest covering latest matches and news, today we're going to cover matches number 18, 19, 20, and 21 uh, that was played between uh, India and New Zealand, England and West Indies, Australia and Sri Lanka, and Afghanistan and uh, South Africa, respectively. Let me welcome my co-host Ajit so we can start discussing this. Hello, Ajit. Hi, Giri. Well, um, it's good. Mm-hmm. They are doing well as well. Uh, have had an interesting uh, weekend so far. Uh, mm-hmm. We just uh, started with our uh, yearly summer cricket tournament here uh, mm-hmm. in my uh, place of residence. Um, so we had a good game, actually. I, I got to play a game today, uh, uh-huh. a 10-over match, actually. Okay. Um, so we considered some runs. Uh, we bowled first and considered some runs, but in the end, our batters did really well and uh, finished the job in uh, under under eight overs. So we chased down a target of 81 runs. So it was a good game to start. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was mostly doing wicket keeping, uh, and right. just before we started uh, bowling, it it rained a bit, so the mm-hmm. pitch actually quickened a lot. Uh, and we play with uh, an indoor leather ball. I think you know what I mean. Indoor cricket yes. ball. Yeah. And uh, it was nipping off the pitch. It was wonderful. And the ball was hitting my gloves really hard. We have some very good pacers in our uh, in our uh, team. So mm-hmm. it was a good game to start. So it's something different. Uh, you know, we talk about cricket a lot uh, behind a microphone. At least me. You. I know you play uh, club cricket. So okay. this is a welcome uh, change for me. No, I mean, uh, look, uh, we call ourselves the Armchair Cricket Podcast after all. So what we offer is mostly an armchair critics perspective, but it definitely helps if you're also able to go out there and get some game time, right? Yeah, for sure. So, And in the spirit of a Cricket World Cup that is currently mm-hmm. being played, mm-hmm. it's very nice that everybody is playing and, you know, more, pe- more and more people are also going out there, also being summer, of course, right? Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah. We and have of course, teams uh, having rain is a uh, yeah 14 teams. Yeah, we have 14 right? teams, oh. and uh, yeah, we play across two weekends. So today uh-huh. was one of those days. Uh, tomorrow, I think we could have played, but we have we are skipping tomorrow because we have an India-Pakistan match right at Old Trafford tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and the next weekend we'll have the next group, next uh, stage of group matches, and then the following Sunday will be uh, semi-finals and finals. So. A lot of cricket in the next couple of weekends, as well as the next few days, I have to say. Uh, so interesting times ahead. Did you play cricket today, by the way? Uh, uh, no, man, I couldn't. I mean, it was a good day, of course. I spent most of it outdoors. But, well, I mean, uh, tomorrow, luckily, we don't have a game scheduled. So I'm very happy to mm-hmm. you know stay back and await the action between India and Pakistan. Yeah. Right. Before that... Let's look at the other games that have gone on in the previous couple of days, right? Mm-hmm. So first of all was the World Cup match number 18 between India and New Zealand. That was completely washed out without even a toss. This was at Trent Bridge in Nottingham. Mm-hmm. Giri, you were saying something about the ground coverage during the rain yeah. relays. Well, actually, you know, uh, before the toss, I was watching this uh, preview done by uh, panelists like uh, Brian Lara and all these guys. I, I I think I also saw there Kevin Peterson, I think who happens to be more of a local person. I think he played a lot of cricket at Trent Bridge. And right. the moment he saw the pictures outside, uh, he, he was, of course, in the studio. But when he saw the pictures and then saw some rain in the air, he mm-hmm. said it's going to rain a lot more. Uh, and he predicted that the match would be a washout, which turned out right. to be the case, unfortunately. Uh, mm-hmm. The strange thing here uh, in England uh, is that you know, they, they cover the pitch, of course, when it's raining or when there is a rain delay. Right. But they also cover uh, the square, basically, the practice pitches along the square, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't cover the outfield as much as they do. In, For example, uh, let's say in Eden Gardens. I saw a picture of Eden Gardens when it's raining there mm-hmm. in uh, in uh, in the subcontinent especially. I know that it rains very, very hard. Uh, it pours, really. It doesn't rain. It pours, in fact. But people manage to cover the whole ground, including the outfield infield and the outfield completely 
right um which they don't seem to do in england i think the main concern uh, before you know going for a toss uh, was that i saw the uh, the umpire speak paul rifle and uh, maria erasmus the mm-hmm. main concern erasmus maria erasmus had was about the outfield and he was worried that we are still in the early, you know uh, earlier part of the tournament and um, he was worried about people getting injured uh, on the mm-hmm. outfield and that was his main concern i think that's a fair uh, concern as well uh, but I mean, I, I mean, I have to question the wisdom of ICC here or even the organizers of not having to cover uh, the whole ground. I, I think it's probably uh, not that big an effort in terms of cost because they're organizing such a big tournament. So it should be possible to make some adjustments there. Mm-hmm. Um, so and we've had we've lost we had lost three matches due to rain uh, interruptions already before this. And this is the fourth match. And as it happens, it's probably uh, the only world cup where we have lost so many matches already and Indeed. not even been there halfway uh, through the tournament right so so i mean i don't know i mean maybe they should think of better uh, measures uh, to tackle this or even have a reserve day i think the reserve day is probably also a bit of a logistical nightmare because they have to arrange tickets uh, and they have to make sure and and also the other thing is every day we have cricket played right mm-hmm. so even if you have a reserve day and you play cricket today's match tomorrow uh, it's going to be it's going to clash with the other game that's actually planned to be played uh, on the following day which means uh-huh. the viewership will be split uh, so we have all kinds of uh, issues there so um, i think icc will do something but i don't know if it if it will do something uh, in the short run well a couple of couple of points to address there first of all look uh, the rain that we see on a day to day or a monthly basis in a place like netherlands or england is far different from what you see in a tropical or a semi tropical place like sri lanka or south of india or you know even calcutta right so probably they don't have to cover that much of the ground and uh, you know loss of time in cricket due to rain is a very normal thing it's been it's been a part and parcel of cricket for already more than 100 years right this is how it's always played mm. but you know um, given that it's a world cup i can understand that uh, people would not want to lose time due mm-hmm. to rain but at the end of the day it has to also be understood that, th- that there are nine matches that each team gets to play mm-hmm. and well i mean one or two matches lost to rain is I, while it's not ideal from a you know a production perspective or a spectator perspective it's still okay as far as the teams are concerned right mm-hmm. so yes indeed as of as of match number 18 rain was the Mm-hmm. Uh, highest let's say point scorer mm-hmm. because it had four complete matches for itself so that's eight points right so that's a bit weird but i mean look playing in england and sometimes summer can be wet right it's a known thing and as a result uh, it's something you can sort of get used to and move on mm-hmm. only thing indeed that four matches lost is a bit unexpected i think the icc claims this is a unusually heavy part of mm-hmm. uh, rain for a summer uh, early summer but well it remains to be seen how it goes right yeah and uh, wow. the other point kp made uh, mm. in that uh, panelist show was that um, english summer is usually drier uh, mm-hmm. in the latter part of uh, the summer so you can say end of july onwards it mm-hmm. becomes much drier and the sun shines out a lot more uh, so that would be a better time to organize such uh, events like world cup uh, so maybe icc should do something i think the 99 world cup was in fact played well through may i think uh, may had a lot of matches the month of mm-hmm. may. so they've moved it one month further uh, they they're playing now in june maybe they should think about it uh, the next time they play here i think there is another concern there because uh, playing the matches in may means that the bowlers would be heavier than the batsmen let's say in mm-hmm. the in terms of how the results are coming through probably bowling team uh, or the bowlers will have a heavier say right mm-hmm. and this is something probably the current setup does not like it because they like matches to go as far as possible into the last over or the last quarter or the last five overs or whatever right mm-hmm. so yeah if you remember how the 99 world cup went this is a longer discussion so let's wind it up quicker but uh, you can see that a lot of matches were probably very shortened because of you know good bowling performances as a result Mm-hmm. uh the bowling teams being heavy right mm-hmm. so maybe the new um, let's say the new management in icc also the new marketing teams don't probably want this because they want to 
make sure that all the advertisers, all the people get their uh, money's worth, right? Mm-hmm. So that there's also a bit of shift there. And also, look, they have made us something um, weird. The choice they have made is to have ashes also in the same summer. It was after all an ashes summer anyway to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. So as a result, to accommodate both, the World Cup had to be played in this time because ashes, uh, you know, you don't want to make any mistakes there with white. Uh, full tests coming up and so on. So and they will play well into um, September, but still, you know, it's not so easy to organize both. So it's a longer discussion for me. So, yeah. but nonetheless, some matches are lost. It's not nice, but uh, I think we'll live through it as uh, expected. Us. That's my opinion. Yeah. The the only final question, and, and I will wind up after this, is that you know we have people traveling from across the world to see these matches, to watch these matches uh, in the ground. Right, people mm-hmm. traveling from India or in the Middle East or even US. I, I think right. I read some comments on the internet that people were traveling from all over the world, and mm-hmm. they paid a lot of money to just to travel there and also uh, an exorbitant amount of money to you know get tickets because the tickets were also sold out very quickly. And if it were uh-huh. to happen tomorrow in tomorrow's match uh, between India and Pakistan uh, at Old Trafford, and whether will is going to play a part tomorrow because we've seen the prediction how it's going to look we'll talk about it in a bit so it's it's also not good for the spectators right so they have to think about these things i think uh, i know rain and cricket go hand in hand sometimes in uh, england during mm-hmm. the english summer but they have to think about it in the long run i think this, this can't go on because the economy part of it is also very important people are paying a lot of money to uh, come and watch the games right indeed Indeed. I think there will be something done. There'll be some mm. fix brought in, I'm sure. Right? Yeah, let's hope so. All right. We look at the next match uh, that was indeed uh, played between uh, England and West Indies. Indeed. Yeah. So this was played at uh, Southampton, AGS Bowl, mm-hmm. uh, between uh, exactly England and West Indies. Uh, England won the toss and uh, decided to bat first. Oh, sorry, field first, in fact. Um, so this was a much-awaited uh, uh, contest between uh, bat and ball, especially Chris Gale and uh, Jofra Archer, and we had a good contest uh, in that match. Uh, Chris Gale uh, blocked a few deliveries, and then he started going after the bowling. I think after the 15th or 16th delivery he faced, he started uh, swinging his bat, and he was lucky he got some boundaries and also hit a beautiful six before he was dismissed for 36, um, mm-hmm. 41 deliveries, which contained uh, five fours and one six. Um, but before that, uh, Evan Lewis, the other opener from West Indies, he was bowled off a beautiful Yorker from uh, Chris Wokes for two runs. And then Shea Hope uh, made 11 runs. He got out very quickly to uh, a beautiful inswinger from uh, Mark Wood, which was mm-hmm. uh, uh, overturned on review. I think it was given not out on field. Uh, and uh, Mark Wood was adamant it was out. I think it was overturned by the uh, third umpire in the end was a good decision. Um, and uh, Nicholas Puran and uh, Shimron Hetmeyer got together and tried to stabilize the, the you know batting with a good partnership between them. Uh, just short of 100 runs. I have to say, I think 90 runs um, before Hetmeyer got out uh, to Joe Root, of all people. Uh, it was mm. a very soft dismissal, uh, cotton bold. Uh, when right. Hetmeyer was out, he was, uh, he was on 39 of 48 deliveries. He tried to go after the bowling in the initial part of his innings, but I think he contained himself later uh, for the bigger cause. Um, so he got out for 39 runs. And then Jason Holder walked in. Uh, he also played a bit, he, but he got out for nine runs. Again, of uh, Joe Root, cotton bowled of a leading edge uh, for nine runs. And then um, Andre Russell walked in. He looked like mm-hmm. he was playing a T20 match, <laughs> like Pretty he always much. does, right? Uh, so he was swinging his bat. Uh, England tested him with a lot of short pitch deliveries, and uh, he hold out to one such delivery, you know, to uh, Chris Wokes. I right. think he probably had dropped uh, Andre Russell uh, a few balls earlier. Chris Wokes had dropped uh, Russell, but this time he right. had the catch, uh, and Russell was out for 21 runs of 16 deliveries, which uh, had two sixes and uh, one four. Uh, and then um, after that, Nicholas Puran was dismissed by uh, Jofra Archer. Uh, he got out, caught behind um, uh, for 63 runs. He was the mainstay of this uh, whole batting lineup. Uh, he mm, had mm. three fours and one six 
of 70 deliveries a very patient innings for a guy like Nick Puran good uh, that he played that much I think otherwise West Indies would have lost all their wickets much earlier because he was holding and tight um, right and then followed the bowlers like Cottrell or Shane Thomas and uh, Shannon Gabriel uh, along with uh, Carlos Brathwaite mm-hmm. uh, Cottrell and uh, Gabriel got out cheaply in fact for uh, Ducks uh, and uh, Brathwaite was the uh, last man to go off Archer. In the end, mm-hmm. West Indies managed 212 runs, uh, and they were bowled out within 45 overs. Um, for with the bowling, um, Chris Wokes was very good, very uh, economical. Five over 16 runs with two maidens and uh, a wicket of uh, even. Mm-hmm. Um, Liam Plunkett five overs 30 runs and a wicket. Mark Wood also very good, uh, 6.4 overs, 18 runs and three wickets. Ben Stokes bowled his four overs for 25 runs, but couldn't pick up any wicket. Adil Rashid went for a few runs, uh, especially when uh, Russell was batting for 10 right. overs and 61 runs. Joe Root mm-hmm. uh, surprisingly picked up two wickets for 27 runs in his five overs. But Joe Frarcher, um, as always, I think his consistent performance yet again. Uh, nine overs, one made in 30 runs and uh, three wickets, which meant mm-hmm. England had a target of 213 runs. Um, Jason Roy was uh, actually injured while he was fielding um, during the West Indies uh, batting. So he walked off the field with a suspected hamstring injury. So he was out for, oh. I think, maybe 40 odd overs, which meant right. that uh, he couldn't bat up the order. So Joe Root was the makeshift opener. Uh, which he has done in the past. I think he has opened uh, for England uh, right. in the past, as well as he has opened in the test uh, test arena as well. So him mm-hmm. and uh, Jam- Johnny Besto uh, played very well for an opening partnership from, op- uh, opening partnership of uh, 95 runs uh, inside of 15 overs when uh, Johnny Besto was dismissed uh, off Shannon Gabriel, trying to hook a delivery, I think, which went uh, straight up and uh, Brathwaite got it. Um, 45 runs of 46 deliveries, seven fours, and Chris Works was promoted up the order. Uh, another mm-hmm. reason because Owen Morgan also seemed to have some kind of an issue with his either left groin or left hamstring. He was also off the field, so he was not allowed to bat earlier. So Chris mm-hmm. Works walked in surprisingly, and then he batted really well with uh, Joe Root, was still there. Right. Uh, for 40 runs of uh, 54 deliveries, which contained four fours. Um, but he got out to uh, Gabriel again. Shannon Gabriel caught. Hmm. Um, and um, yeah, Ben Stokes uh, came out and then finished the job for England. Uh, 10 runs of uh, six deliveries with two fours. But the standout player was Joe Root, who remained not out on 100 runs. Yet another century for uh, Joe Root of 94 deliveries. Very fluent innings, I have to say, right. uh, which contained uh, 11 fours. The bowlers had a disappointing, uh, you know, performance for West Indies. I think they didn't have a good, uh, big score to defend anyway, but they were bowling way too short, far too many times, sitting up nicely, uh, and uh, it was whacked by even Chris Wokes and uh, Joe Root while they were batting. So Cottrell three overs, 17 runs. O'Shane Thomas six overs, 43 runs. Shannon Gabriel was a pick of the bowlers with two wickets for 49 runs in his seven overs. Andre Russell bowled a couple of overs, after which he seemed to be in some kind of discomfort, walked off the field. I think he is probably injured again. I don't know what the extent of the injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, 14 runs. Um, Jason Holder, 5.1 overs and 31 runs for uh, no wickets. Brathwaite in his five overs considered 35 runs, while uh, Chris Gale seemed to have a bit of fun. He seemed to be the only guy who was having a bit of fun for West Indies. Uh, he bowled five overs uh, for 22 runs uh, and uh, did not pick up a wicket. Um, so England chased down the target uh, of 213 runs in 33.1 overs. Uh, so they, they pick up a couple of points. Joe Root was the man of the match. And uh, mm-hmm. England have continued in their good form after the loss uh, to Pakistan. They have, I think they have bounced back and uh, played really well in, the, in this match especially. Well, a uh, couple of interesting talking points there for me. The first thing being Evan Lewis uh, and Chris Gale separated right at the top of the order by Chris Wokes who delivered a foolish ball and Evan Lewis played all around it, right? And then Shy Hope also could not last long. So it was always meant that Shy Hope and Chris Gale or Shy Hope and Evan Lewis would build the innings, mm. but that was not done. And then 
you know a lot of credit goes to the england faster bowlers both wokes and later also plunkett and wood basically mm-hmm. wood bowled a fantastic spell 3 for 18 right mm-hmm. and along with archer of course who 3 for 30 does not really show the impact he had in the match but puran and hetmeyer did a good job of holding back and then i think hetmeyer was a bit unlucky to not uh, pick the right ball of joe root to hit because what i saw was joe root's spell was very underrated in this game right 5 overs 27 for 2 because he bowled excellently for example the way he got holder out so there was something nice to see there in that over itself he bowled a proper off break where he cocked his wrist and mm. uh, holder picked that and hit him straight down the ground for a six about two balls later he delivered a similar ball but this time his wrist was straight and his let's say he was delivering a seamer more or less so mm. this probably came on a bit sooner than what um let's say holder wanted and it was also sort of drifting down the leg so he was also caught and bowled so that was completely unexpected and that came out of nowhere because that double blow really hit west indies hard because mm. at you know 3 for 144 just before the 30th over they were in good shape west indies you know they have hitters down the order all they have to do is build a platform and then the hitters can take over who are two all t20 specialists right but the double blow of hetmeyer and holder meant russell who you know sort of struggled at the crease and puran had to first hold back right and russell somehow did not look really comfortable when he hit a six of rashid he hit a straight mm-hmm. six of rashid and then he immediately clutched his ankle and fell over and he had to be given a bit of treatment so mm-hmm. he never looked comfortable so it was sort of expected that he would give his wicket away he did that mm-hmm. so that basically meant you know this much wanted west indian middle order was crumbling and mm-hmm. nicholas puran did all he could to hold one end up but there was not a lot that he could do and even he was out it was 7 for 202 and westland steel did not do much there again a lot of credit to archer because archer came back and took out breath brathwaite cotterell and along with wood they bowled a searingly fast spell also even yeah. though I, i think by this stage morgan was out Ma- morgan looks to have suffered a back spasm is what i heard back, okay okay that's sorry right. so i mean he is also um, like a, frequently he's troubled by back problems so i think it's a it's something they'll be very careful about right so i read also later that they are very cautiously monitoring both morgan and roy as to how mm-hmm. they shape up in the upcoming days right so when it came to batting well bairstow and root set up a solid platform and the sort of west indies tried the same thing they also have a battery of fast bowlers right for example they brought in shannon gabriel in this match for yeah. you know the spinner and as a result they have a lot of firepower at their disposal and they tried to bounce england out it did really didn't work mm. both bairstow and root they saw off the opening spell they played very cautiously but then once they got their eye in they started to hit out right so it was not a lot and chris wokes it was a good promotion if you look at it right so yep. having lost two batsmen from their top four or five they chose to promote the one guy who has a very very classic technique yeah knowing that you know all you have to do is keep joe root company they promoted the right guy he played a right sort of a number 3 innings i would say because yep. he just uh, rotated the single and gave the strike back to joe root who was attacking so at some point in time i think some of the bowling uh, ocean thomas uh, or gabriel bowling to joe root was a wonderful battle mm. right it was almost test match like but mm. joe root trounced both of them yeah. and even though shannon gabriel took two wickets it was at a very high cost yeah. and by the time chris gill was introduced it was almost over the back of the chase was long broken and uh, they they were just having a bit of fun and who else but the universe boss right to have the fun rightly i would say jorot was declared the man of the match so one thing i notice is this is the second consecutive match where moin ali is not in the 11 mm. so you see the balance of the 11 has shifted a little mm. whereby jorot performs the off spinning duty and mm. you have adil rashid who had an off day but who was taken up by the hitters mm. from the west indies middle order so that's fine so you have the uh, balance changes a little because joe root who can bat at 3 or 4 can also give you 5 8 overs right mm-hmm. then there is also a likelihood that the left arm spinner may come into it so moin ali may actually lose his place for the upcoming couple of matches so mm-hmm. it, it's it's an interesting discussion point for me but i think uh, they spoke to moin ali one of the the reporter spoke to moin ali they said he was a bit zen about it he was not really worried about it but i think that guy is very zen so he probably doesn't show much but maybe mm-hmm. you know if i were moinali i would be a bit worried because there is a high likelihood that this team balance is still still shaping up beautifully but he could also open for england right he is also a qualified opener i think he has done it a couple of times for england well i mean because roy is probably injured i don't know how he is how long he'll be off 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if Roy is out, they would probably bring in um, James Wins, who's also in the squad oh, as yes. a like-for-like replacement, right? Mm. I think it's a very tantalizing prospect to have Moin Ali open, but I think I think this England lineup with the sort of thought process they have will probably not go for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. All right. Now, if you were to move on, let's look at the matches from today, match number 20 and 21. So match number 20 was Australia versus Sri Lanka. So if you were to quickly look at the scores, uh, this was played in uh, London. So it was played at the Oval, right? And uh, in this case, Sri Lanka won the toss and elected to bowl first. I think they were a bit worried about the rain and probably they chose to bowl first, but rain completely stayed away. And, you know, Warner and Finch started very sedately. So the first couple of uh, exchanges between the Sri Lankan bowlers and Finch almost did not indicate as if, you know, this was like played in a very comfortable pitch with an even bounce or something. The Sri Lankan bowlers started really well. Malinga and Pradeep, um, their final analysis doesn't show that, but they bowled very, very miserly spells. And Warner was really out of rhythm and he scored a very unconvincing 26 of 48 balls. And he was out trying to slog Dhananjaya de Silva, who, by the way, had an excellent spell. He had a spell of 7 hours 20 for 2, before which I think... Uh, uh, Finch took a liking to him and his final over that he bowled went for 20 runs. He still had a very creditable 8 hours 40 for 2, right? And then Finch made a wonderful 153 and a uh, bunch of batsmen kept in company. So Usman Khawaja made only 10, but Stephen Smith was the main guy with whom Finch built a huge partnership. So Khawaja was dismissed at the score on 100 and this was still the 23rd over of the inning. So if you can imagine, Australia was just, you know, 95 for 1 after the 20 overs mark but then smith and finch really picked up the scoring rate and uh, smith made a 73 of just 59 balls glenn maxwell was sent in at five and he provided a very good finish by scoring 46 of just 25 and then it was a bit weird to see sean marsh come in ahead of carry and pat Cummins, even though it was already well into the 42nd over or such at the 40th over it looked like finch and smith both may go on to make big scores so finch who already made a 153 of just 132 balls could probably go on to make a lot more because he was dismissed in the 43rd over and there was still enough time for him to probably get to a, a double hundred. But also Smith had a chance to get to 100, but both of them missed out. And in the end, I think Sri Lankan bowlers pulled really well because they again considered only 32 runs of the final five overs and took three wickets. But the, you know the score was already rollicking along with Maxwell hitting some wonderful shots. When we look at the bowling, so Malinga took one for 61 good restrictive bowling in the end and then Nuan Pradeep bore the brunt of the hitting and he went for 88 runs without any wickets. Isuro Udana did the rest of the clever bowling at the end, 2 for 57. Uh, Tisara Pereira was used in the middle to late overs and 0 for 67 in 10 overs. Dhananjaya de Silva, as I already said, 2 for 40 of 8 overs and Sirivardhana, he took 2 for 17, right? I think he was bought in in place of another pacer, I'm sorry. So he took 2 for 17. So Lakmal was injured. And he was brought in in place of Lakhmal. So, Australia ended up with 334 for 7, which may have been 20 runs short of what they were capable of, but it was still already a bridge too far, and that's how it proved. So, Sri Lanka started really well, with Karuna Ratna scoring 97, and Pereira scoring 52, and basically Karuna Ratna was holding fort well until, you know, about 185 for 3, and they, it was still the 32nd over, right? So, they were in good shape, Sri Lanka. But then once the initial partnership was finished and Tirimanna was out, Sri Lanka ran out of ideas. Again, their middle order was completely ineffective. Mendes just made 30, Matthews 9, uh, Melinda Sirvardhana 3, Pereira 7, Dhananjaya de Silva made 16 not out, but the rest of the tail fell off. So I think a lot of lot of blame now rests on Matthews, Sirvardhana and especially Pereira, who, you know, having hit Stark for a 6 in that very over, went after him again and was just dismissed by skying a ball. It was, it was not very mature cricket there. And also, Kusal Mendes did not help himself when he was trying to chase a ball of Stark and he was out. So when it came to bowling, Stark took 4 for 55. So wonderful, wonderful bowling effort there. Pat Cummins was very restrictive. He took 2 for 38 in nearly 8 overs. And then Berendorf was a bit costly. He took 1 for 59, but he did his job very commendably. And uh, Kane Richardson, who's come into the squad in the last two matches, has done a wonderful job. He took 3 for 47. And Glenn Maxwell finished a good spell of off-spin bowling by taking no wickets, but 10 hours for 46 runs. Right? It was a one-sided contest all in all, and Finch was the man of the match, rightly. So, Giri, any nice points you've spotted here that we can discuss? Yeah, the continuing failure of uh, Angelo Matthews, their prime batsman, right? I think uh, he's not been uh, 
doing so well in the recent past. He has just made a comeback into the team. I'm just looking at all the previous matches that he has played. You know, after he came back from his injury layoff, the last four matches. You know, mm-hmm. I think the first one was against Scotland on the 21st of May uh, last right. month. In fact, he scored one there. And the match against uh, New Zealand in this World Cup, he, wa- he got out for a duck. Mm-hmm. And the next match against Afghanistan at Cardiff, he again got out for a duck. And this match at the Oval. Uh, against Australia, he got out for nine. So he's not firing, unfortunately, for them. So I don't know what you call. He's the bedrock of the batting and he has not been uh, doing mm-hmm. a good job for them, unfortunately. So I, I think if he can provide that stability in the upcoming matches, just hold fort and, you know, just be there till the end. Somebody has to take responsibility and uh, do that. Yeah, you're right. When it comes to Matthews, I really hope it's not a mental thing. Maybe, you know, he's not... He's not made comfortable as certain seniors in certain South Asian teams feel near the end of their careers, even though God knows Matthews has a couple more years left. But maybe due to one reason or the other, maybe they feel that his time has run out or maybe as a senior pro, he doesn't gel well with the current leadership setup. I don't know really what is the problem, but I really hope he discovers form and a big score is around the corner for him. Otherwise, without him, Sri Lanka are completely sunk. Because this was a good example of how Matthews in the older day older days would have just run the chase through with just, you know, standing and guiding guys like Dhananjaya De Silva or Melinda Sirivardana or even Tisara Parera through and just batting till the end and winning the match for Sri Lanka. So they're really missing that. The other thing is that, well, Marcus Toynis is out in Jordan. He missed a second match in a row. He had a back strain. Side strain, I think. But but it looks like, you know, they're waiting to take a call on him until the next match against Bangladesh. But if he doesn't recover, probably he'll be replaced. Mm. Right. So also, as I was saying, um, the middle order, well, Pereira was, was very, very uncaring for what was going on around him. I think having hit a six, you don't try to do it again, especially knowing that there's a slide happening and you have to stay with Mendes, who's a, you know, a traditional batter. All you have to do is mm. give him company and you know you can hit a six later. Right. You will, if you take the match into the last three to four hours, there is a high likelihood that you can win this. This is what people like Tony yeah. do really well. Yeah, right? take it deep, yeah. But the good thing for them was the opening partnership was good. I think that's they're firing at the top, Karuna Ratna and uh, Kusal, Kusal Pereira. Yeah. So let's hope they continue uh, their good run and uh, I hope the middle order clicks for uh, Sri Lanka so that they can, you know, either defend a target or chase down a target or uh, set a good one because I think the middle order is the, the most fragile part at the moment. Indeed. Uh, now, if we were to go further, let's look at the other match, the day-night match of the day. This was played between Afghanistan and South Africa, right? So, in this match, well, it was also very one-sided. It was rain-affected, but it was still one-sided because what happened is, having won the toss, South Africa elected to field first. This was played at Cardiff, right? So, there, uh, Hasratullah Zazai and Noor Ali Zadran started off very sedately. So, Hasratullah Zazai, for his standards, made a sedate 22 of 23 balls. But Rabada sorted him out. Noor Ali Zadran was looking okay. He made 32 of 58 balls, but he was bowled by Imran Tahir. Then the complete middle and lower middle order of Afghanistan were ineffective. So, Rahmat Shah made only six. Hashmatullah Shahidi, eight. The returning Asghar Afghan, who returned from injury, mm-hmm. made a duck. Nabi made one. Ikram Ali Khil made nine. And Gulbadin Naib, five. Then Rashid Khan showed a bit of steel. He made 35, the highest score in the innings. And mm-hmm. took Afghanistan beyond the 100 mark. Because at one point in time, it looked like they would be dismissed for 80 or 85. There was a rain break. So before the rain break, they looked comfortable. They were two down for 60-odd or 55, 58-odd. It was okay. But then once they came back from the rain, I think South Africa lifted their intensity. So when you look at the bowling figures, uh, Rabada took one for 36 of eight. Buren Hendricks, who came into the squad... Uh, in place of the injured Lungi Ingidi, took uh, five overs uh, for 25 runs, no wicket. Pelu Khoyo was good. He took two for 18 of eight. Chris Morris was also equally good. He took three for 13 of six. And then the really the impactful bowler was uh, Imran Tahir, who took four for 29. And if I remember right, at some point in time, he had three for five or three for seven or some such analysis, right? Off his first three or four overs. So he was bowling really well. In the end, he was hit for a few by... Rashid Khan, but that really doesn't matter. So having to chase a very subpar total, South, uh, South Africa did it without much problems. So Quinter de Kock and Hashim Amla started off uh, sedately, and they took the score to about 60-65 by the in the 16th over or so, before which Quinter de Kock started exploding. So he made 68 of 72, and Amla played a sheet anchor's role. He made 41 of 83 balls, and then Pelu Khoyo was um, promoted of the order probably to get him some batting practice. 
right? And he made 17 of 17 and they closed the match out. So Imran Tahir was rightly judged the man of the match. So Giri, uh, I think you were playing your cricket match probably, I don't know how much of this you were able to catch. None of it, unfortunately. Uh, right. By the time I was home, I think Afghanistan were bowled out. And then uh, I think by the time I finished my dinner, it was all done and dusted. So I just checked the scores in the end. Right. Uh, but it's, uh, I think Imran Tahir is now bowling really well. I think so is Chris Morris. Mm-hmm. I think he bowled mm-hmm. well also against India, to be honest. He yes. played well. Uh, he also batted well against India in uh-huh. the match that they lost. So Chris Morris is turning out to be a very good addition to this squad. Yeah, especially because they don't have guys like uh, Dale Stein. So he's also required to bowl a bit more than mm-hmm. he normally mm-hmm. does. I think so. South Africa, are they picking up some kind of a tailwind now, do you think? I really hope so, because it'll require one of those Pakistan-like comebacks for them to mm-hmm. you know, qualify for the semifinals from here. Because their first three matches, they lost. The fourth one was rained out. And they have made a good start here. So, you know, when you look at the points table, South Africa have indeed opened their account with a victory because they already had one point. But what is important is they also have reduced their net run rate, which which was struggling yeah. quite a lot. Yeah. So it is minus 0.208. So it's heading in the right direction as far as they are concerned, right? So now... I think we should get on and talk about the more important part, the match tomorrow, India versus Pakistan, Kiri. Yeah, what do you want to talk about it? Start with the weather, okay? I was just looking uh-huh. at the weather for uh, Manchester, Old Trafford. Um, so I'm looking at it and I think it's a 10.30 start, right? It's a day mm-hmm. match. According to weather.com's predictions, I think the precipitation percentage at that time is about 50%. And it stays like that, uh, 50 right. and uh, I think probably 30 to 50 percent until, let's say, late afternoon or early evening. So around five o'clock, it goes up to 60 percent uh, and six o'clock, I think it's the highest, 75 percent. And the maximum temperature expected uh, is probably 17 or 18 degrees. And there will be south southwesterly winds of about 20 kilometers per hour. Anyway, uh, long story short, it, there is rain forecast, whether it will rain a lot or not. We will for sure have some rain interruptions. Uh, whether we'll probably, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think we probably will not get the full 50 over quota for each teams. Hopefully there'll be a match, maybe a reduced uh, match in the end. Uh, but let's hope it's not a washout. I'm also a bit worried about that because, well, I mean, my personal gut feeling says it's going to be a washout. So it's going to be a one team playing just 20 overs or 17, 18 overs and then no more of the match. This is my feeling because even if you don't have a 20 hours completed of the first innings, there's no chance of the second team even batting, right? There's no chance of setting a target or something. So, And yeah. you require at least 20 hours to be completed in each innings for a proper result. Yeah. So and, this is my real fear. But I mean, did you did you pay any attention to the build-up on both sides of the border, Giri? There have been some uh, funny advertisements, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> on either side. Uh, but apart from that, people are trying to calm each other down. I saw some articles where uh, Wasim Akram is trying to tell everybody that it's not really, uh, you know, it's it's not a war or something. It's just a game. Whatever happens, take it, you know, lightly take it sportingly and all that. Uh, people on either side of the border are trying, I think, trying to calm people down in the end. Hmm. But apart from that, I think players-wise, I think uh, Shikhar Dhawan will probably miss out for India. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I think KL Rahul will uh, open for India and uh, we probably will have either Vijay Shankar or Dinesh Karthik right. uh, playing at number four position. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I think they will probably stay with the same bowling lineup, uh, India. Uh, they will probably not change that. Uh, Pakistan, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if anybody is injured there um, or if Shadab Khan will uh, come back to the squad. And if he does yes. come back, he's going to not play in the bowling lineup, probably Shahin Shah Afridi, I think, because he didn't have a yes. good game last time. Indeed. Or with Indeed. Uh, Pakistan surprise India with the, with the X factor of Mohammad Hasnayan. Will they include him? Could be, could be. That's a that's a really good point actually, because um, you could be right there that you know he may have been saved for the latter half, just like how India is saving Shami. So that's the other thing I'm really looking at. There are all these battles between battles, right? Mohammad mm-hmm. uh, Amir versus Kohli or Bahabrias versus the rest of the Indian top order and so on and so on. But there may be some red herrings there. Somebody like Mohammad Hasnain coming in or Shami coming in for India, right? Bhuvi missing out and maybe Shami coming in, right? These things must yet happen. So I have a feeling India will probably not play two spinners. They'll play only one spinner. So Kuldeep Yadav may miss out and Shami may come in into the 11. And for Pakistan, 
uh, you might be right that they have three left arm pacers and Hassan Ali is also not really firing on all cylinders. So one of either Shaheen Shah or Hassan Ali may miss out. And I think Shadab Khan will come back into the 11. For me, what I feel is this. The top order of both the teams look uh, competent. And India having lost Shikhar Dhawan will probably be a, you know not very happy there. And Pakistan will be really happy. But um, it will be how the middle orders pan out. If this were to go into a 40 hours or more sort of a context, how the boring middle overs are handled, that section will actually dictate how the match will go. But I would say, uh, based on form and based on recent, uh, you know, matches, India start as favourites. But uh, you know, yeah. it's an India-Pakistan contest. Nothing can be said, I think. And uh, we, I think, Shoaib Malik has a good record against India. He's always right. played well against India, and he's due a big score. I think if Pakistan middle order uh, is uh, summoned mm-hmm. to make a contribution, he will probably uh, hold his hand up and then say, "I'm going to do it this time." So that's going to be interesting. Uh, Hassan Ali has done well against India, in the, at least in the Champions Trophy that they played mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago. So he did well then. But he was a newcomer back then, so India didn't know how to play him. They didn't have any enough video evidence, I think, of, of him playing. Mm-hmm. And uh, another point, if there is swing in the air, Bhuvaneshwar Kumar is a natural choice. He should stay in the team uh, if right. there is swing in the air. Uh, if there is sea movement, Shami is a natural choice again. Right. But uh, looking at the temperatures, it's in the mid-teens, right? It's relatively cold. And when mm-hmm. it's, I, I heard from Kevin Peterson uh, on that panelist show, he said if the temperature is really cold, even if there is moisture in the air, and if, if uh, even if there is humidity or if it's overhead conditions, you know, overcast conditions, mm-hmm. uh, the ball won't swing. Right. If it's cooler, it won't swing. It needs to be closer to 20 degrees or something. And there needs to be moisture in the air, overcast conditions. Then it'll swing. Uh-huh. So we have to see how it's going to pan out. Because the match, uh, I think Pakistan played last time round, where they dropped those catches, right, uh, mm-hmm. against Australia. That match, it was really cold. It was very chilly in the morning. Uh, uh-huh. I think it was less than 10 or close to 10 degrees. And that's why uh, guys like Mohammad Amir or uh, Shahin Shafridi or Hassan Ali were not able to swing the ball in the air. That was one mm-hmm. of the things uh, that contributed. If there is swing in the air, it's going to be a different ball game altogether, I have to say. Right. All in all, a really cracker of a contest, hoping yeah. weather stays away, right? Yeah, two and, million uh, people are counting on the weather, wow. I guess. <laughs> well, and if, you know, if prayers really work, this could be a good chance to find out, right? Yeah. Prayers yeah. that the rain stay away and so on. If, so, if it's a washout, what do you think? Uh, what do you think? Who will who will benefit from this if it's a washout? Do you think? I think um, I think Pakistan will not want a washout because okay. um, they've already had one washout. India have also had one washout, but Pakistan have lost more matches, right? Mm-hmm. If you were to look at uh, the standing right now, right? Mm-hmm. India have not lost a single match, and mm-hmm. well, they're placed fourth, three matches, two wins, and five points. Whereas okay. Pakistan are placed eighth, four matches, one win, two losses, and just three points. So okay. Pakistan will be hoping for a full game and uh, will be trying to secure full two points. Whereas mm-hmm. if it were to be a washout, which I think will disappoint or break the hearts of two billion people, it will still be okay as far as India is concerned. However, you know, no matter how the rest of the tournament pans out, yeah. the fans on both the sides will always hold this and say, you know, you never beat us, no matter which side does well. In yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. This right. is a marquee match. This is a marquee match. This is the highlight of the tournament. Forget about finals. I think this is what <laughs> we are all looking out for. You know, every four years, I think uh, either side of the border, people will agree to me. Right, right. I think you have a good point there. Yeah. All right. Let's hope uh, the best team wins tomorrow. Let's do so. Yeah. Going on, if you were to look at some of the news off the field in the World Cup, well, uh, it looks like Michael Holding, who was a bit critical of the umpiring in the Australia versus West Indies match, which wherein, you know, uh, both Ruchira Palli, Guruge and uh, I think Chris Gaffney both had a sort of shocker. He yeah. went he went and lambasted them on air and I think he, he's been cautioned. I think that's also the wrong word. He's been, uh, let's say, admonished. <laughs> admonished. That's the right word by the ICC, the ICC people who deal with uh, sponsorship and other things, right? And he's written back uh, saying equally stern things, saying, yeah, I will not listen to you guys. I'll say what I think is right because at the end of the day, the umpiring was not really good. So, you know, especially when India, when there are matches in India, usually BCCI has a very tough stance on how to talk about certain things and so on and so forth. And I think there famously once was a case where Ian Chappell came, he heard this 
pre-tournament presentation and just walked out right mm-hmm. so sometimes i think the world body or anybody that is in charge is uh, trying to be a bit too cautious and maybe that's not a good idea so i think if something did not go right it is okay to criticize them criticize even the officials in a in a very a restrained manner of course and looking at michael holding who's had 30 years of commentary experience he wouldn't have done anything but that so i think this might be one of those knee jerk reactions from the organizers of the tournament probably prompting to a bit of a kerfuffle i don't know what you say gire uh, but i think michael holding is always a straight talker he always uh, doesn't beat around the bush uh, he sees it he calls it right so yeah. he is fair i mean he is he also i think applauds when there is a good decision or when there is good cricket and he also points out things when they're not uh, you know when they're not going according to plan or when they're not going as per uh, you know a certain acceptable standard mm-hmm. so yeah uh, i think um, they should let him speak a bit more i think he adds character to the commentary i for one exactly. really love his commentary he's mm-hmm. very insightful and he's also funny in his own way the caribbean flair we, we all need that i think icc should uh, not be so stringent about having regulations about all these things i think it it commentary itself is a different uh, is is i think it's an essential part of the game now uh, mm-hmm. it uh, stay on like this i think it's very required I, i remember in the past especially when sunil gavaskar was on air i think was <laughs> i remember he was very um, you know critical of a few things when india were not doing well in the past but right. he has toned now when you hear him speak now he's toned down a lot mm-hmm. it's probably mm-hmm. down the regulations or these guidelines that uh, the censure censorship committee has laid out for uh, the commentators uh, and i also feel sometimes that some commentators you know i mean maybe this is a little off topic but uh, i don't want to name them but some commentators are pro certain team they so they show a certain bias towards one right. of the playing team and mm-hmm. it it stands out and icc don't talk about that right i mean what are they doing about that then the commentators are supposed to be neutral Right. should be neutral as yeah, neutral so, as possible but yeah, exactly. you know you know when the teams are doing well or not doing well certain commentators do get a bit carried away and that can happen it's it's not to be taken too seriously but at the same time if an official is not performing well yeah. admonishing that can be also taken in the right spirit right and yeah. you don't want to think too much about losing sponsorship or whatever look i mean just to not to belabor the point but you know just uh, go ahead with how passionate michael holding is as a commentator and as a you know as a follower of the game i remember uh, when that fiasco happened in england where mohammad um, amir was caught bowling a no ball mm-hmm. michael holding was either on air or he was talking about it and he was one of the people that spoke very critically about what happened on the field that day and i remember the post match ceremony mm-hmm. where i think it was uh, bob willis david gower and michael holding were talking at Uh, take a break that was unscheduled because michael holding had tears in his eyes while talking about what had happened on the, wow. in that display and how it affected uh, how it was going to affect the young man's life wow mohammad amir's okay. life right he's such a uh, passionate man and uh, that that's that shows in his words right so as a result i would say it is it's it's good that these people speak so passionately about cricket on air and it they should be not censored yeah. right absolutely absolutely i remember one other guy uh, bob willis he's also one such guy you remember that stuart broad incident when uh, ah. stuart broad kicked the ball to first slip and didn't walk <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was, i've never seen him so furious on air he was absolutely livid mm-hmm. you could see that i mean he was very uh, emotional about it about right. people not walking when they have nicked it so blatantly right Mm. but anyway that's uh, yeah that's that's unfortunately uh, something for icc to think about i think they should uh, not regulate things so much they should let people be they should let them have and show their character as long as it's not really uh, being derogatory or something i think it was just critical of a performance a professional performance right so it should be okay in the end all right so the other thing we wanted to talk about is the number of injuries it looks like south african team is struggling you know lungeng gidi still injured not recovered you know other things and amla was injured until a short while ago and now it looks like mushfiqur rahim has a suspected injury of the arm he was hit on the forearm by uh, mustafizur rahman while batting in the nets and he's taken some time off right so also australia is suffering from injury so it looks like this is also one of the world cups where we will see a lot of injuries and a lot of replacements afghanistan has already had a, a player replaced and so on and india might very well have a player shortly replaced right in the other news a bit of a bit of an interesting take uh, from somebody who's not expected to comment on cricket 
the united states secretary of state mike pompeo says that the cricket world cup 2019 has the potential to change the world after all you know he's on a four nation tour where he'll be stopping by in india and sri lanka and in his stop in india i think he said these words and i think he's talking about how many people will be tuned in from the subcontinent especially right 2 billion people for tomorrow's match and so on so you know it's it's interesting that even uh, you know google ceo like sundar pichai and other people are also giving their opinions on what who will play the finals and so on so this world cup seems to have really caught on a lot of uh, fascination of people yeah. from the united states and other places where they are not normally known to follow the game right all right now let's look at the trivia questions so the trivia questions from last episode was ash barty who won the french open women's tournament recently which bbl team or wbbl team did she represent as usual we have a yogesh our friend and supporter writing in with the right answer the answer is brisbane heat so she played for brisbane heat in the 2014 2015 series of wbbl so the trivia question from this week is who's the only player to have played in a cricket and a football world cup right so the clue we can offer is there is actually a football world cup currently going on so if you pay attention to which world cup that is and then think back a couple of years you will understand who the player is you can get in touch with us uh, to give the right answer to the trivia question or share your thoughts and opinions for example on social media at amchekpod through the facebook page or uh, write in at uh, amche.cricket@gmail.com you could leave comments on whichever platform you listen to us on apple podcasts or podbean or castbox or any other right also it will be really nice if you leave us a rating whenever you subscribe to our podcast and listen to our podcast on a you know daily or a weekly basis if you leave us a rating it will really help us also when you discuss this podcast with your friends it will give us new ideas and maybe even new listeners so it's very good if you can do that for us so we would like to thank all our listeners who are doing this on a you know regular basis also it looks like you know in our upcoming episode we'll be talk- definitely talking about what happened or didn't happen in the india pakistan match and a couple of other interesting matches coming up so i hope you do stay tuned in and do keep listening to us having said all that it's a goodbye from me and it's a goodbye from him bye bye you're listening to the armchair cricket podcast 